It really is uh, good to be together and um, we pray that God will minister to us this morning. Um, the, uh, the beauty of, of uh, church is that it is in one sense meant to be very simple. We worship God because we believe he's alive and real and uh, there's some great songs coming to the church in these days aren't there and that song about God's father heart to us is so true and we live in a fatherless generation and we need to remind ourselves that God really is father to us and he loves us he loves you this morning just where you are he loves you too much for you to stay there but he loves you just as you are and so we're glad to be together and we're glad to worship God another element of our gathering together as well as giving and kids churches the word of God we believe the Bible and we'll come to it this morning still speaks to us it's still relevant for this day and so I just encourage you this morning to uh, be blessed and it may be that you've heard many messages because you've been a Christian a long time it may be that you've come with somebody this morning you knew your friends what what but God's able to speak this morning because this is this is more than if you like a lecture that you may get in a uh, educational environment or it's more than a, a training talk that maybe you have to go on this is Someone seeking to communicate God's word that can change us forever. And the Bible says it's a seed. And when that seed finds a place in our heart, then it really does make a difference. Before I do that, I just want to mention on behalf of the church leadership that um, Marlene Lee, who has been a very long-standing member of this church, um, sadly went to be with the Lord uh, yesterday. Uh, Those of you that know Marlene well will know that certainly in the last... 10 years she suffered hugely with um, lots of physical issues um, Di let me know yesterday Di's been an amazing friend and the thread of all of church life is that Marlene led Di to the Lord and uh, these years later people grow in their faith become strong in him and so uh, we, uh, we pray this morning for, for Marlene's family and Di if you could just on behalf of the church extend our love and prayers to them at this time um, but absent from the body present from the law we really believe that we really believe that marlene is in the presence uh, of god uh, this morning we're continuing our challenging series on jesus followers and uh, i'm going to read a few verses which uh, uh, morgan will bring up on the screen if you've not got a bible but if you have a bible and you'd like to follow it it's found in one thessalonians which is a book near the end of the new testament chapter four and i'm going to read from verses three to eight 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 to 8. This is God's word saying uh, that that came through uh, the Apostle Paul to a church but then he's he's enshrined, taken in as the the canon of scripture to still speak to us today. So here's God saying it's God's will. Now I get lots of people saying to me what's God's will. Sometimes friends we're trying to find God's will personally without putting God's will revealed into life the two work together so here it says it is God's will that you should be sanctified that word means made holy that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control their own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister The Lord will punish those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gave you is Holy Spirit. Jesus followers. 
in week one, as we tried to lay a foundation, we simply took that little phrase where Jesus said to the disciple Philip, follow me. We reminded ourselves that it's a personal challenge. That although we, uh, like crowds, God always calls individuals, we reminded ourselves there was a pathway to walk. We'll see a little bit of the expression of that pathway this morning. We reminded ourselves there was a principle to live by, which was obedience. And we reminded ourselves that every one of us have got a potential to fill. And we believe as Christians that we best fulfill our potential as people in this earth when God in Christ Jesus is at the very centre of all that we do. And then last week, we started to take different aspects of what it means to be a Jesus follower. And so Christian last week um, was reminding us of what it meant to be a Jesus follower in the marketplace, if you like, in the real world. We've had people say to us in arena on occasions, all you're bothered about is Sunday. I I suggest that uh, those people haven't been listening very well because Sunday for arena is all about Monday. It's you in the office, it's you in the hospital, it's you driving the van, it's you doing the school run. How does what God is saying to us apply into our everyday lives? In the general sense of the word, the marketplace the world out there where God has called each of us meeting people that other people don't meet to be light in the dark. This morning for a few moments we're going to try and address what it means to be a Jesus follower follower, through our morality. The word moral or morality simply is that which is concerned or distinguishes between right and wrong. It is true that people that don't claim to be committed Christians can live by a moral ethic. The reason for that is that it is an expression of the fact that we have all been created in God's image. Bible commentators call it common grace. In other words, people that aren't Christian at times can actually act quite Christian. But the reality is this, that that is strengthened and heightened when we come to know God through relationship with Jesus Christ personally. And his indwelling spirit in our lives helps us increasingly to be concerned about and distinguish between right and wrong. It is also true to say that many people live today amorally. In other words, they have no interest in the rights and wrongs of life and no interest in distinguishing it. That prefix A there simply being for nothing, no morals. And that's sadly true in many contexts. And the issue of morality is, of course, far and wide. This morning, I want to, for a moment or two, drive it down to the conduct of our body. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That each one of you should avoid sexual immorality. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives us the Holy Spirit. Let me say, friends, as we move into this, don't worry. This is a broad scope, wide-aged congregation. So I'm not going to be talking in a way that would be inappropriate. But I don't also want to fudge the issue. You see, the moment you pitch up to be a Jesus follower, there are all sorts of challenges that come your way. Within a generation in our nation, but not only our nation, within the world, there have been huge shifts in society regarding 
sexuality and sexual behaviour. I was born in 1955. I'll work it out for you. I'm 61. And... uh, It is the new... Oh, no, let's not go there. (laughs) Growing up as a kid, and even as a young teenager, two people living together was described as living in sin. If I can say respectfully, friends, it still is. When a young man got a young woman pregnant, he didn't move on to the next relationship. He married her. And often with long-term commitments. In our time, commentators tell us that our culture has been increasingly defined by what we call postmodernism. Don't worry about the title. Or relativism. Here's a few characteristics of the culture that pervades the earth today. Number one, there's no absolute truth. In fact, relativism expresses itself in being sure of being sure about nothing. No one has got the complete answers. There are no great certainties. What is true for one may not be true for another. These are all things that roll out all the time. There's a mix and match of religions called syncretism. Bit of Christianity, bit of this, bit of doing what I like. That pervades There's an emphasis on inclusivity and tolerance. There's a diversity of morals and lifestyles. There's a growth of subcultures. All those things rolling out in society today. These shifts cannot be denied. And it is very easy for a sceptical liberal world to take easy pot shots at Christian teaching. They'll say things like, you need to get into the 21st century, mate. You need to, or an expression of, you still don't believe in that, do you? Or what about, that's the problem with the Christian church, you're narrow and repressive. Reminding us that when Jesus said that he called us to follow him, it wasn't just a gateway, it was a pathway. And reminded in Matthew's gospel that that pathway is actually narrow. But here's the truth. The Christian church is not seeking to be narrow or repressive. In fact, the passion of this church, as you will know, is that we will know God, that we will find freedom, that we will discover our purpose, and that we will make a difference. But what Christians do want to do is to handle the gift that was originally given by God in a Christ-honoring way. To be a Jesus follower. And as you will know around this room this morning, that is no easy challenge. We've been accused in Arena Church on occasions of being light and fluffy and not really sort of driving it down. But the reality is that we are always thinking about difficult subjects to address and to appropriate them into church. You'll notice that Christian's gone on the other side of the pond while he's left me to do this one. So here's the reality in our pervading culture. It often affects people that are Jesus followers. As a pastor, I've sadly watched Christians make poor wrong, if I can use the word sensitively and kindly this morning, immoral decisions for the cause of what they want to do. I've also heard Christians respond with comments like this. Well, we've only got one life, we might as well live it. That is not true. 
we're appointed unto uh, to, to live one life but then face the judgment as someone said once we are in training for reigning there's another world there's another life that is all eternity I've had people say well surely God wants us to be happy he does but let me say this morning that God is far more far more interested in his being holy he has said here it is God's will that you should be sanctified And the Bible tells us that the Word of God endures forever. The Bible is the bedrock foundation for Jesus' followers. Not there to accommodate cultural convention, but to challenge it. You don't need me to tell you, friends, that we live in an amoral society that has been breathtaking in its shifts and changes, as I mentioned earlier, even in my lifetime. There are over 50 gender descriptions on the social media site, Facebook. There is now, of course, the wider debate regarding transgenderism and transsexualism. There is all sorts of things that take place in life that encourage people not to live moral, but amoral. A Canadian website was broken into last year. The website was set up to allow people to specifically commit to an adulterous relationship. There were 37 million adherents across the world. In the last three years, there have been 5,500 sexual attacks in schools in the United Kingdom. One educationally says, this is the fruit of pornography. We live in challenging times. But in the last few minutes of the message this morning, I want to point our attention to a loving, holy God and mention three things. As Jesus followers seeking to live in a way that is honouring to him, number one, God values all people. One of the most well-quoted verses in the Bible, John 3.16, is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The challenges mentioned today are right through our society. Uh, and uh, but, the, but the truth is that they are not good, new. Jesus, the Gospels, and the early church pioneers had to address equally challenging issues. I've heard it said to me, particularly by young people, it's never been as difficult to be a Christian as what it is in the 21st century. That is not true. That is not true. If you read the Bible, which is a first century book, 2,000 years old, you will find, interestingly, that the challenges then are the challenges now. In 1 Corinthians 6, there is a list of people that Paul describes that do not inherit the kingdom of God. They particularly relate to sexual impurity. And then he goes on to say this, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. In this church, we've been uh, at great pains to express that all people are welcome. What does that mean? At this very time, our church eldership are wrestling with a paper that we've created to help us with all the issues that come across our pathway, particularly in this area, to continually put the welcome mat out for people's lives. We want to be inclusive in a welcoming community 
without compromising our age-old defined beliefs of being a Jesus follower. This was what was written by an evangelical Christian body in recent times. And I hope that we can affirm to it. He says, we recognize that we are all sinners and that the only true hope for sinful people, whatever their challenges, past or present, is Jesus Christ. Our earnest prayer is that his love, truth and grace would characterize our responses and debates both now and in the future. We want to say as a church leadership this morning, friends, that you can bring your confusion to the Lord. You can bring your brokenness. Let me carefully say, you can bring your belligerence on what you think it is. You can bring your hurt. You can bring what you define yourself to be so that Jesus continually take you to a place of what he wants you to become. You can bring all of that to this church, a safe place to go on a journey and eventually bring it to the cross so that each of us can increasingly find freedom and true identity in Jesus Christ. Our first value is that God values all people. Secondly, God values his purpose. We revealed in the word, as I've already said, that following Jesus is not just going through a gateway, a door, but living uh, on a pathway. And here in Thessalonians, this passage, the Lord reveals his purpose to us. Here's the truth. You cannot um, divorce your spirituality from your physicality. In 2003, the Church of England did a discussion document and it noted this. We are not simply people who inhabit bodies. Rather, our bodies are part of what all of us is. You cannot say that I am a believer to do this, divorcing it from what you are in the body. Let me tell you that in the New Testament times and since, one of the great heresies of the first century was what we call Gnosticism. Again, don't worry about the name. But it was a super spiritual, in quotes, pursuit of God that claimed a higher knowledge and made a great divide between matter and spirit, which led people to believe that how they behaved in the body had little consequence. This is not what Christian teaching believes uh, as are in the verses that remind us that we are God's temples. He lives in us by his spirit. So being spiritual does have an impact upon the responsibility of how we live in the physical. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, sorry, chapter 6, Paul reminds us that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Veteran Bible teacher Michael Green reminded us from that passage that our bodies matter to God. That one day we will be raised. That we are indwelt by His Spirit. That we are harmed by immorality. That we that behaving wrongly constitutes robbery and rebellion. And that we belong to Christ. One great songwriter wrote these words from this passage. I am not mine own. I've been bought with a price. Precious blood of Christ, I am not my own. We are called to live in a morally lax society in a Christ-honoring way. Of course, around this room, as Stephen alluded to, as he led us in a great time of prayer and worship, there are always 
huge differences and challenges and backgrounds and brokenness. And some of you sit over brokenness that you would have not wanted to process. It wasn't your fault. But again, let's continually bring all that to Jesus. The one that continually changes and is changing our lives. And let us bring our followership to the Lord. Number three, God values all people. God values his purpose. And thirdly, God values true purity. Verse 7 of our reading this morning, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Arena Church, in the days in which I've sought to describe, can we make decisions in this area that, sought, that seek to address our challenges with integrity and clarity? Can we be a great example to a younger generation that has just left us to do kids' church that are growing up in an incredibly confused world? Can we recognise afresh that if we reject the challenges of the word, the Bible's clear in verse 8, we are rejecting the very spirit of God. And we can respond by this morning bringing our bodies again to him. And the Bible tells us how. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that you present your bodies, not your spirit or your soul, but your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world. As one Bible translator said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove God's pleasing, good and perfect will. I encourage us this morning, friends, to bring our bodies as an offering again to the Lord, to do so by allowing him to continually transform our minds so that through our bodies we may prove his will. Let me close with an illustration. And then I'm going to self-apply it. I'm not going to apply it to you. I'm going to apply it to me. This week I was just reading again a, not so much a commentary, but an observation of Paul's writings to Timothy found at the end of the Bible. It's a father-son relationship, not physically, but spiritually. And Paul uh, is writing to Timothy, who at that time is around about 30 years of age and the pa- pastor of one of the most significant churches in the New Testament. As you read between the lines, uh, you find that Paul, uh, Timothy suffers with timidity. Uh, he, he has some uh, ailment challenges. And uh, there are issues that come to his life. And Paul encourages Timothy to be strong. He also encourages him to be pure in his journey and to be an example to people so they wouldn't despise his youth it takes me to the story that the writer of the book had got in his thing that one of my colleagues and friends sent through to me just a few months ago it's the story of a minister that's receiving for dinner his soon-to-be son-in-law and uh, if you've been a son-in-law and you've gone to those meetings you know you sort of just open it's going to go well at the end of the dinner they had a great time the older man said I'm so pleased that you're going to become part of our family we're praying that the wedding's going to go well and if there's anything I can do to help then please 
let me know. The young man that was receiving this encouragement was just about to enter into the Christian ministry. And his ears pricked back because his future father-in-law was way into that journey of Christian ministry. And he said these words that night. Stay true to Jesus. Keep your heart true to him every day. It's a long way from where you are to where you are going. And Satan is in no hurry to get you. I apply this to myself. As I've told you, I'm 61 years of age. I got married on the 28th of July, 1979. It was at that time that I consummated my covenant relationship to my wife. A week later, I was pastoring a church. I thought everybody did that. Into our 38th year of this journey, by God's grace, and I say it with humility, friends, I've been faithful to that marital relationship. And hopefully, faithful to my ministry call. And although I'm getting old, I'm not that old. And although I've come a long way down the journey, there's still a way for me to go. And the truth is this, that if Satan could take me out, by moral indiscretion, he'd do it today. So that I would hurt my wife, my daughters, my granddaughter, my beautiful church family and arena, offend my colleagues in ministry, and the enemy of our souls would absolutely love it. So the advice of the future father-in-law to the young minister I receive again today and I want to keep my eyes on Jesus every day and keep a close walk with him and not only be thankful that I've come through the gateway, the door but I really do want to walk the pathway I wonder if you can apply that to your heart and in this confusing, challenging and sometimes aggressively against Christian truth world I wonder if you can bring your body today to submit to his call to live morally pure and so reflect being the Jesus follower